Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sevi Sit Down with Isabella. During the editing process of this episode, I came to realize that I had a lot of audio issues, microphone issues on my end, so I just wanted to apologize for that uh, and give you guys a little bit of a warning heading into it. Well, anyway, without further ado, And so ACF provides you the ability, while you're learning and growing intellectually, you can also grow spiritually and at at the same rate. And so it just just really um, gives you that holistic ability to grow, not just in your knowledge, but also in in your service and in in your ability to, to serve. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Seventy Sit Down, a place of free thinking, Seventh-day Adventist discussion. I'm Jed Frias, the host, and the Bible verse that I'll be reading from today is Isaiah 26 verse 4, and I'll be reading from the uh, New International Version. And it says, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. That is the favorite Bible verse of my guest for today, Isabella Bibulovich. I'm sorry if I butchered that last name, but... uh, No, it's perfect. (laughs) All right. Yay. That's awesome. Thank you for uh, being part of the show, Isabella. Thank you for your invite, for your multiple invites that I so stubbornly had to move. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, She's a very busy individual because Isabella recently received her... Bachelor of Commerce from York University. She is the a part of the youth board of her home church, the Toronto Yugoslavian Seventh-day Adventist Church. She is the former president of York Adventist Christian Universe, uh, Adventist <laughs> Christian Fellowship, uh, also known as ACF, and yeah. she is an associate co-chair for ACF Ontario. Uh, clearly a very busy individual. Officially, Hi, welcome Isabella to the show. <laughs> good to be here. It's really good to be here. Thank you for that illustrious intro. Um, I do want to note, though, that we almost had this interview on the 6th at 6. So we were just missing another 6, and it would have been really risky. So <laughs> I'm glad we chose this date instead. Yes, to, uh, listeners out there, we are recording on October 20th. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A safer well, date. Yes. So uh, Isabella, can you please explain to our listeners what that, why that make, why Isaiah twenty six verse four is your favorite Bible verse? Yeah, I I first encountered that verse last year. Actually, I got it as a, 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 a gift, and it was actually this this like small little this little like rock that was cut out, and on the rock is is engraved that verse, and. Um, it was just so powerful when you when I was able to see that verse on an actual piece of stone, and that was when I realized like wow, rock is so hard. It's so sturdy. It's it's just so stable. The fact that we build buildings with rock or on rock, and the concept of 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 stone and rock just being something solid and and um, something that you can always rely on, sort of. And so when I, when I saw the verse through that lens, it kind of reminded me, God is, 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 is the same in that sense. So God is upon, upon which our lives are built. He is that rock. And especially um, now 
through this pandemic, we were able to see, you know, things that we thought were for, for certain weren't and things were just changing, constantly changing and they still are and lives were changed forever. And um, just seeing that reminded me God is that one constant variable we have in life. And it, it, it just reminded me of um, how important it is to remind yourself of God is that rock eternal, the rock of all ages. And so, yeah, it's, it's just powerful. But all, all the verses are, are wonderful as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I like how you brought up uh, 2020. That verse is very mm-hmm. relevant to this year with yeah. all the uncertainty and everything. Um, so, Isabella, can you please talk a little bit about your religious background? Okay. Um, well, I was, I was born to Seventh-day Adventist parents, so I was raised in a Seventh-day Adventist home, as, as you were as well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And um, so, and my, um, on my dad's side, I am five generations, if you can count it in terms of lineage, but five generations Adventist. And so it was, it, so I kind of come from a background where I didn't really know of any other faith growing up or of any other kind of religious background growing up. So um, I was always kind of uh, a part of, you could say, church, um, what church was. So I I never knew a life without church or without the concept of a God. And um, on top of that, um, both my parents are actually pastors. Um, My dad is is a pastor. And um, so, and they both met at, at seminary. So they're both theologians. They both pursue their studies afterwards as well. So I was also raised in that context as well. So not only uh, was was faith a very much a, a pillar within our, our home and, and my upbringing, but also um, my parents' careers were involved within uh, the, the 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 church context. So I my my faith background is kind of defined in those two ways. So that is, I guess, how you could say I kind of got my start in in the concept of of faith and and and. Uh, believing in something so yeah wow that's some really uh deep uh, adventist roots (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) but what about yourself what is uh your conversion point or your personal testimony yeah that's that's a very good question and i think a lot of people especially who are born in the church I, i i hate when people use that term i'm born in the church it's it's this concept of if if you're born in the church, therefore you are kind of automatically a part of the church. But as, 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 your, as your question is alluding to, it is a personal decision you have to make for yourself. The fact that my ancestors were Adventist or my parents are Adventist, it, that was all their personal decision, not my own. And so faith really relies on the concept of we need to make that personal decisions for ourselves and for our lives. And so um, I, when I came to that realization, I was probably in, in my mid-teens, so around um, 
15, 16. Um, and it actually was a moment in, in my life where I was getting more kind of in, involved with, with youth, um, things that were going on within uh, the local churches that were uh, around me. And so I was able to meet people like your, your, uh, yourself and, and others that, that, that we know. And through that experience, I was able to really an encounter faith through the eyes of service. So not just faith in terms of I go to church every Saturday and I sing a hymn and I listen to a sermon and that's it. But no, I actually am part of a wider community that seeks to do so much more than just, uh, I guess, fellowship together, but actually do good. And um, it wasn't until I heard this powerful sermon, it was at this youth conference and the 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 preacher or i guess he 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 was a, a lay preacher so uh the the man that was speaking the word uh was talking about the concept of, of approaching god coming before god and what how much of an how how much of a privilege of an honor it is to actually claim that i can come before god you know and he was he was quoting all these all these verses from 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 uh, the Bible on on righteousness and the, in this aspect that just to even have a claim towards righteousness we need to first accept Christ and then as I was thinking about it everything everything good that comes through through the concept of faith can only be accessed through the acceptance of Christ because he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the way. And, and, and I realized I, I was raised in this, in this faith with, with this, with these beliefs, with these values. Um, I was living a life that was in, in, in accordance with these values. I had the time to ask questions, have my doubts about why do we believe certain things and, I thought at that time, you know, they were, they were answered pretty well for me to be able to believe in them. But I was, I was kind of lazy to make that commitment and to make that decision as in, yes, I want to kind of seal this relationship and make it solid, you know? And when I was listening to the sermon, I realized I can't even call myself Christian. I can't even come before Christ if I don't accept him in, in that sense. And I was thinking, wow, I've been living my life blindly almost. And I thought, well, this is, this is just a natural step I, I've, I, sh I should make in terms of um, going to the next step of my understanding of faith and of God and in, in relation to my life. And so that is kind of how I, I made that, that decision to be baptized. And um, I, I'm, I'm so grateful and it was actually perfect. I got baptized a week before my first year of, 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 of uni. So it was kind of a nice kind of flow to life. And, and yeah, it's, it's been a journey ever, 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 ever since. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really powerful. Like, like you said, um, you could have all of that background and everything, but until you accept, uh, Christ as the way, truth, and life, then um, you're not at that door yet. So, mm. so that's awesome. 
Um, I like how you mentioned earlier, I knew that you were a pastor's kid. I didn't know that you were like a double pastor's kid. <laughs> so uh, I want to ask you, what is your experience like as a pastor's kid or as the common phrase goes, a PK? Mm, mm, yeah. Um, when someone says PK, I always think of PK Subban, the, 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 the Habs hockey player guy. Um, does he still play for the Habs? I, I don't know if he still plays for the Habs. I have but... zero uh, hockey knowledge. Oh, if anything, when I hear PK, I think of PK too. Like, like some terrible pun on Pikachu. <laughs> anyway. True, that, that too. Um, but yeah, being, being a PK um, provided, I don't think I, I realized what that meant until I, I actually went to this, to this um, kind of gathering of PKs they had for all the pastors within North America. And they had this kind of gathering and we all met each other for the first time. And we were talking and sharing our, our perspectives and we realized, oh wow, like this is something that we can actually all relate with. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized there was something different about being a, a PK in, in relation to maybe others who, who have a different relationship with the church. For example, maybe if, if, if your parents are, I don't know, church elders or deacons or whatnot. So, but, but everyone has that kind of different, I guess, view of the church depending on I guess the, the the first exposure they had to it, like what was that first exposure like? And so, yeah, as you mentioned, for me, it was it was that exposure through um, the role of, of of ministry. So my parents being um, active, actively involved, uh, leading churches, and um, so that opened my eyes to a lot of aspects of church life. But also, if I could use the term church management, like how much actually goes into making sure a church functions properly, how much it, how much sacrifice it really takes to make sure that, that, that every single member in that church feels valued, feels, feels as if they can contribute, as if they're part of that community. And so having, having the time to listen to each and every one of them, uh, listen to their needs, try and answer their needs as well. So it was, um, I, I'm very, I, I consider myself lucky to have had that privilege because some go through a whole lifetime of just learning these things until they get to that point. But I was just naturally, I guess, uh, privy to it. And so it, it opened up my eyes to a lot of facets of, of church life that um, now when I, when I enter a church, I can almost kind of feel the vibe of that church almost innately. And then you can almost inst in, like, inst instantly tell what, what are the strengths of that church? Um, what are some areas that that church can maybe grow in? But yeah, it opened up my eyes big time. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have had that, that experience for sure. What about any um, negatives? Like, do you any do you feel any sort of extra pressure being a hmm. pastor's kid? Pressure, yeah. Um, I remember at that that at that convention that that that, that I was mentioning previously. Um, I remember some some of, of of those kids were saying how they felt pressure to behave properly. You know, because you're the pastor's kid, you were kind of the example or the role model for the others. I I never felt that pressure. 
Uh, maybe because my parents never put that pressure on me. Um, they never uh, kind of made me feel different. They always taught me um, that I was kind of, I was, I was no, no less, neither was I any, anything more than, than the other kids, for example. I was always treated equally and um, by my peers as well in, in church and by the other members, I was never treated un unequally in, in, in that fashion or looked upon as if I was like the saint or this angel child. No. Um, but one, one aspect of, of pressure maybe that I could, that I could touch on is maybe the concept of of a slight concern for for um, my parents in 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 that sense of they had to deal with a lot of issues that members were, were facing, and so that that also has an impact on them. You know, it 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 can be very tiring to constantly listen to to what people are are going through. And, but yet you still want to be there for them and you want to help them. And um, so it was, it's, it's mostly this concept of not wanting to add more, more problems to the already ever long list of problems that they already have to deal with. So, but yeah, it's, it's just that concept of being mindful that, you know, they also need sometimes a break as well. And so it, it took some, some time for me to kind of realize how that aspect of the job of helping others, even in their long moments, isn't really a negative aspect of the job. It is, it is a necessary role that that job basically requires because as, 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 as you read through the Bible, you know, pastors are meant to be shepherds. And so the shepherd of, 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 of their flock and, so that is a huge responsibility. And um, so, yeah, I, I hope that answers your, your, your question. Yeah, um, if you were to try and like assume what is different in, in your house versus a, a house of a non-PK, like, like what would you assume is different? Like, did you do uh, devotional to get like family <laughs> worship every day or something or like uh like what would you assume is different if anything yeah um maybe just the amount of books we have like I remember whenever we would we would move I mean the boxes weren't even close the boxes were mostly just books and books and books and just books upon books so it's just a lot of books I mean, they can't even even fit in like one big bookshelf in, in, in one room. So, um, I mean, we still have books in certain boxes that we sometimes go back because there's just no room to, to keep them all in. But yeah, I guess a lot of a lot of books on like Bible theology, Hebrew, Greek and, and, and things like that. But in terms of, yeah, we, 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 we do even even devotionals to this day. Um, it's just a normal upbringing. I, I don't think it's any different than from yours. I mean, faith is very important as it was for you growing up as well, I, I assume. So yeah, it's, it's not much different other than, I guess, the day-to-day -day responsibilities that maybe comes along with the different jobs people have. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, I mean, you did say that you 
did uh, evening worship every day. I don't think that that is actually as common as you might think, uh, <laughs> but it, that's actually a great thing. Um, glad that your family does that. I encourage more families to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I, I mean, I have to admit, it wasn't always the thing I always wanted to do. Of course. Um, but it is a, a nice way to kind of bring the family together after such a long day of everyone doing their own thing. It, it, it is a nice way to kind of bring a, uh, a, a everyone together. But I think now with COVID, since most people are maybe are home, maybe some people who, who can work from home, that also presents another pro, I guess, if there can ever be a pro to something as, as devastating as a pandemic, but the concept of everyone is now forced to be in one place. And so maybe evening devotionals aren't required every day in that context, but just making sure there's that contact, there's that connection that is, that is maintained. So yeah, but um, I guess we should all strive to, to be more, more active and in, in, in our, in our devotionals. So. Yes, yeah. for sure. And uh, based on your answers, it doesn't seem like you had any phase uh, of rebelling. No? <laughs> I sometimes look back and, and I honestly think maybe I should have been a bit less serious and like, what's that word? Like a good, good, good goody two shoes. Yeah. Growing up, I wish I, I was a little bit more free in that sense. But yeah, no, I never had like a rebellious phase or anything like that. It just, I don't know. It just, who knows, maybe it'll, it'll come. But no, I, I hope not. I hope not. No worries. Um, let's uh, shift gears now towards uh, public campus ministries because mm. you've done a lot of uh, ministry in that arena the past uh, four plus years. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, you were the president of York ACF. What are some of the things that you did during your time there? Mm. Um, that's a very good question because that's five years ago almost when, yeah, four or five, four or five years ago when um, I first even heard of ACF. So this concept of of there being this um, this place where students who identify as Seventh Day Adventist can um, gather on their um, on their campuses and just have Bible studies together, fellowship together, and just have that have that community, you know. And um, so I first found out about ACF. Actually, this this girl texted me, and at that time she was the the um, the president of ACF York and she let me know that you know ACF York is 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 uh, a thing and she heard that I was coming to York so would would I be interested in maybe joining them for their uh for their for their bible studies that they were having at that time it was it was Mondays Monday evening and then it, it became Tuesday evening and and I, I responded back and I said, wow, thank you for reaching out. I, I would love to. And because I never had that, ex I, don't, I don't know about, about you as well, if you ever went to, to Christian schools, but I never had that kind of, uh, I guess, it, it, that, that, that exposure growing up in, in the sense that people I, I went to school with 
went to the same churches as me or like believed the same things I did. I never had that. And so to be able to have that when I was going to, to York was so cool. And, and yeah, and one thing led to another. I just got very active, very involved. And um, we, it, it, there was this kind of, uh, there was a shift in, 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 in people who graduated. And so that left kind of this, this gap of, of people that was left behind. And so we kind of had to, had to lead the ministry forward, but there was just three of us left. So in, in my first year, there were just three of us by the time at, at the end of the first year. And so we had to find a way to kind of get more members in. And um, so the first part of what I did with ACF York was to um, connect with other local churches because it's very interesting. So York is in North York, as, as, as the name gives it away. Um, and within just that North York area, I don't know the exact number of churches, but your church is, is very close to mine. So the fact that that's two churches already, plus I know of like six other churches that are in that region, there's probably over 10 churches within the North York area. And I, I, must, I must be underestimating the number wildly. I'm sure it's more than 10. But I, I, I started thinking of this concept, there must be, if, if there are so many members who live in the area, there must be more students who identify as the Adventist who go to York. And so we started building connections with the, with the local pastors. And so I then met Pastor, pastor Hong, uh, the youth pastor at, at Emmanuel Church. And he, he also was the, the lead for the Metro North Central Youth Region. And so through that, we were just able to kind of flourish because he had connections with all these other youth at these other churches. And then he put me in touch with them. And then I reached out to them and it, we were just all reaching out to different people. And so we then had this like big meet and greet where everyone could come together, meet each other for the first time. This was at the beginning of my second year then. And, um, and we started going and during that summer, we went also to, to churches to talk about what ACF was. And so that also helped a lot. So then parents were able to, to, to tell their kids, hey, like you go to York, why don't you go check this, check these students out, see what they do and see if you, if you like it. And so that's how we got a bulk of, of, of uh, our, our, our members and so some of our current members as well. And um, so that was the first thing of uh, what I, I guess helped in, in doing with ACF York, which is building that membership up from three to, to like way more than, than three. And um, later on, it was so we built that connection with the other communities of faith around us. And then the next step was, okay, how do we now build relations within the campus? So like with, with staff, with, with the staff who, let's say, manage club affairs. So we were very active in, in building relationships with them. How do we become active within the campus community, you know, so we can actually be assets to the, to the community in various ways, not just fellowshipping together, but actually giving back. And so um, it, it was a lot of just building bridges because when I came, as, as, as I mentioned, there were like the bridges were there, but no one was like walking across those bridges to get to, to the other side because there just wasn't enough of us. 
So a lot of it was just kind of building the bricks back up and and yeah, it's it's very nice to see ACF York even now after I'm 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 gone. Well, you're never gone. I, I know when when you think of, of graduating, you're always a part of it somehow still. But yet you know, you know, life has to has to progressively kind of move on. But it's always nice to 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 see how how they're flourishing in, in their own way. So yeah, that was kind of the 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 uh, gist of what my role was as a uh, as, as, as a leader at ACF York. Yeah, um, I didn't know that it, it was three. I was at that meet and greet. I didn't know that you yes, guys were really? only were I don't only remember three. that. <laughs> yes, I came for the pizza. No, um, okay, that's, uh, that's cool. I have to go back to the pictures and check that out. <laughs> yeah, um, but what are, what are some of the things, like take me through a typical week at York ACF, like mm. what do you do as like a club and then what the, like what are some things that your club did for the school? Okay, so a typical week, well, it, um, for, as I mentioned, for that first year, when I was in, in, in first year, it, it was just let's meet during a weekday in, in the evening and let's just talk about a Bible character or a Bible topic or anything anyone wanted to talk about. And so um, uh, we we then continued with that onwards into in, into my, my second year as well. But by that time, we had a bit more membership. We had like a, an, an attendance that was consistent of around five at that point. So um, we went from three to five and we just established this the schedule. So every other week we would meet, uh, I believe it was a Tuesday evening. And it was just a time that that fit for all of us very well because we were on campus anyway and our classes would, would, would be over by then. And so we would meet. And so we would, um, one of us would always lead kind of that, that devotional. And so we would talk, uh, speak on, on, on a topic that was, that that person wanted to speak on. And then from there, it just, it just flourished. And then we, we were, we were thinking, well, why don't we have Friday night Vespers as well? So because we also realized a lot of, of the members that maybe wanted to attend, the, the devotionals couldn't because they also had lectures on a Tuesday night or on a Wednesday night. And so week, like during that week, it was hard to find an evening time that would fit for everyone. And so, but we thought, well, Friday evening, I mean, some of the Adventists don't go to class on Friday evening. So, I mean, they're, they're free, right? So then we started having, um, in, in my third year, we started having then Vespers on Friday evenings. And that, that then was just like a hit. We started getting um, more and more members coming in. And, um, and to, 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 to this very day, they, they still hold Vespers Friday evenings. So, so that's kind of the, the, the devotional side of it. And it's always student-led. So it's student-leading discussions for students. And, and that's kind of the focus. And sometimes um, we would have pastors come in as well to maybe speak on more challenging topics that we wanted to speak about, but we just didn't have the knowledge to kind of approach it. So we would have that, but it's, it's mostly students leading discussions uh, catered for students. And um, so that, that's, that's the devotional aspect side of it. But we also um, started doing uh, this past year. So we started doing socials. So pizza night, board game night, and that was during, during the, the week. So that was usually Tuesday evenings. And so that was really cool because that then opened up 
the possibility to invite our friends, even friends who aren't Christian or don't affiliate with any kind of uh, system of, of faith. They, they were able to feel comfortable to come and we were comfortable enough to invite them to come as well. And so I was able to invite a, a few of my friends to come. And, and so it, that, that was really cool to kind of have that other aspect of, of kind of ministry in the sense of, yes, we're kind of growing spiritually in our knowledge of our faith as well, but we're also building relationships with others on, on the campus as well. So um, that was really cool. So we had that social aspect as well. And then we had that kind of final aspect of, of um, reaping all the efforts we had made in those areas and kind of bringing people at one spot um, for a, a worship service for church on campus. And I know you've, you've been to ours uh, qu quite a few times. So thank you for your support throughout the years. But um, church on campus and a lot of other ACF chapters, that's like the, the pinnacle of, of everyone's year having a worship service on campus that you host, that you lead. And so we, we actually held our first church on campus two years ago. That was in, in, in my third year. And then that was the first church on campus that was ever held at York. And then we had a second one the following year as well. So that's also the other aspect of ACF and what it, what it provides. And then we also, uh, this was in my second year, we would also give out exam care packages to, 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 to students that would walk by. And um, so the, every ACF chapter across Ontario has, has the same aspect. So it's this growing spiritually together aspect, but also the social aspect of fellowship but then also on top of that, this aspect of, of service and everything kind of comes full circle and it all relates to how do we sh show people the love of God and how do we show people who Christ truly is? Because everyone kind of has this idea of who God is, but oftentimes it is, it is not the, the best view of, of God. And so it's, it's just really cool to be able to be hands-on doers and, and kind of the, 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 the kind of architects of um, our own ministries. And um, later on developing also leadership, leadership skills and how, how to delegate certain roles to others. So yeah, there's, I could go on until forever. There's just so much students that are involved in ACF do. I mean, uh, going from cooking for each other to, to, to being, I get like pastors even uh, for their own chapters, you know? So it's, it's just a lot that, that goes into leading in, in ACF ministry. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, clearly you've done a lot, which is awesome for uh, the uh, students and like uh, the university, but is there anything that, you found challenging during your time with ACF? Or um, is there anything that you wish you did that you weren't able to do? Hmm. That is a very good question, actually. I, I, I didn't think of that, but um, going off, off of your point of, of, um, of how I was able to be so active and involved, it was actually seeing the sacrifice others were making for, for the ministry and seeing, wow, this is actually something that others believe in. They, this is something that others also want to see 
um, happen on their campuses as well. And, and it was this kind of unity and purpose that was kind of established. And so I think of people like Gita, for example, she is, I, I could say the pioneer of ACF in, in, in Ontario. And just seeing her and how she was selflessly giving her time to drive to all these different chapters across Ontario, which wasn't easy to do. She was paying out of her own money for, for gas money and, 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 and just to visit us, just to see us and just to provide us support. So that also gave us a lot of kind of, um, a, a lot of wind to our back to be able to do what we did. But, but going back to your question about um, any, anything I, I struggle with or struggled with or wanted to do differently, I think when you're so passionate about something, there's this danger of becoming very narrow-minded. So you become so focused on that one thing that you lose sight of all the other possible aspects that could maybe enrich it as well. And so you have good intentions, but that kind of very narrow approach you, you, you kind of innately develop by just being so focused on that, on that one thing, it can impede it to a certain, I guess, level. So just to give uh, one, one, one um, example of that, I, I wish now when I look back, I truly wish because there were other faith-based clubs at York and they were doing marvelous things as well. And so we were all kind of collectively afraid to kind of reach out to each other uh, and not just Christian clubs, but other of, of other faiths as well. And so, um, I mean, one instance, we actually helped cross promote for one other club and they, they weren't a, 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 a Christian club. So I think of that instance and how much it meant to that club that we actually were able to cross promote their event. And I thought, wow, if only we had maybe collaborated more with clubs of, of the similar faith or of other faiths on topics that we both share, um, I, I, I think that would have been super cool to do. But uh, that, that is something in the moment, I guess I didn't see. Because when you're so passionate about that one thing and you want to make sure that that one thing works out, you kind of lose sight of all the other aspects that can that can feed into it. So yeah. Yeah, but um, those are definitely things that since like you've experienced it, you could definitely mentor yeah. to the uh, yeah next uh, generation of presidents sure. who you and I both uh, have full approval of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so when I talk to like my guests, many of them talk about ACF and how mm. it's been so important to their faith journey. Even personally, me, myself, it's been very crucial for my faith yeah. journey as well. Yeah. Why do you think ACF is so impactful in the lives of so many young Adventists? Mm. Um, I, I, I can say for, for myself, at least, why it was impactful for me. It was and I mentioned this briefly earlier in, in, in your previous question, um, it's, it's this notion that ACF provides young people the room to serve. And I think that is often an aspect of not all churches, but most churches, I, I, I would say. It is an aspect that most churches lack in that sense of being comfortable 
to hand the reins sometimes over to younger people who maybe have bright ideas, such creative ideas that they want to bring forth in, or, in order to make their, 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 their community of, of, of the faith um, more vibrant or, or just better in, in certain ways. And so often um, youth are maybe pushed to, 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 to the sidelines. And I want to emphasize it's not out of any, I guess, um, mal and, and intent uh, towards of of those members towards the, the the younger members, but it's just this this kind of innate mentality of they 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 know you from when you were a child, and so there's there's this kind of idea you you will always be a child to them, and so this concept of wait this person that is now mature and older, they can actually have some responsibilities now, and so I think a lot of youth come with a lot of skills and a lot of potential, but unused. And so when they come to the campus setting and they're growing in knowledge and they're learning all these various things about the field that they're studying in and other fields as well, they, they're growing in knowledge academically, but their knowledge of, of their faith and their concept of, of, of church is kind of, it stays at this kind of childish level and they can never get past it. And so ACF provides you the ability while you're learning and growing intellectually, you can also grow spiritually and at, at the same rate. And so it just, it just really um, gives you that holistic ability to grow, not just in your knowledge, but also in, in your service and in, in your ability to, to serve. Uh, so the ACF ministry that you're a part of and then later on transfer those skills over to other communities of faith that, that you belong to. And also furthermore, it gives you others, other friends that you can relate with, you're not alone. And um, the, one of the most impactful friendships I've developed have been through ACF and through campus ministries. And I, I met you through campus ministries and, and in others as, as well. So it's, it's just this bond, this inexplicable bond that's just formed because um, everyone just has the same desire, you know, to serve. And ACF provides you the room to serve. So yeah, that would be my answer to that. And I would 100% echo uh, that response. Okay. <laughs> Um, so one of the topics that I know that you're very passionate about is remaining relevant. Mm. Um, so I'm going to shift gears and talk a bit about that and ask you okay. a few questions. Yeah, sure. Why is remaining relevant important? Mm. Hmm. Well, going back to what I mentioned about bridges earlier, about building bridges, um, being relevant is kind of one of one of those bridges that helps connect the 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 church with the world. I know we always use this concept of the world, you know. We I mean we are the world. It's not as if the world is like this outside external thing that we're not a part of. We are still the world. But to use that term in, in the sense of um people who don't view church in the same way that we do maybe uh relevancy is is that like one of those first links to them because if if our if our if our communities of faith cannot relate 
to the needs of 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 others i i, I don't see uh any kind of future for our, our our communities of faith in terms of growth so i i mean the whole concept of ministry is is to be able to reach out to people but how can you effectively reach out reach out to people if if you're not striking uh, uh, some kind of chord with them. And so relevancy is, is, is a key factor in that, yeah. So why do you think uh, the church has trouble remaining relevant? Uh, why do you think the church has trouble remaining relevant? Hmm. Um, that, that is a very deep question. Um, why does the church have trouble remaining troubles remaining relevant? Um, I think it's it's this concept of. I mean, w- w- one example that that comes to mind. Um, I okay. Do you sit in 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 the in in the same pew every single Sabbath? Well, prior to COVID, would you sit at like the same pew, or would other members that you would see? sit at the same pew at the same spot on a weekly basis yeah everyone generally has their same location (laughs) yeah so that's just one example of just how tight we are in terms of not appreciating change and so like we're we're all we have this kind of notion of change is maybe a threat you know change is maybe it's, it's something that we're not comfortable with always and so i think that can also um impede our efforts in in that relevancy mission, I guess, because if society is changing now, like faster than we can even fathom, and therefore the mentality of, of, of people is also changing. And if our, if our churches don't, not, not in terms of changing in the same way that, that, that society is changing, but understanding the change, and um, adapting our methods in accordance with those changes, then, I mean, that is just something that, that, that is, is crucial in this day and age. Um, and I think of, of, of one example, such as COVID. I mean, it is something that we all had to adapt to, even the way we do worship, right? And so this concept of, of remaining relevant. So we always have to be um, mindful of what are the needs of the people that we are supposed to be, I guess, reaching out, right? Christ says, go ye to all the, na- all, all, all the nations and spread the word about me. So how can, we, how can we deliver that message in a way that will, that will click, that will have that, that kind of level of, of, uh, of, 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 of resonance with others? So I think why maybe relevancy is hard to achieve it's it's i guess the innate human nature of not wanting to change in that sense and and recognizing that change is happening before our very eyes so yeah so give me give me an example how can we remain relevant or what are some of these topics these needs that you're alluding to um that need to be addressed by the church Hmm. um i the first step, at least from my perspective, but f- feel free to add, I know you have a lot of experience being a youth leader yourself, so you, you probably had also the, the, the inside intel, I guess, on, on, on the inner workings of, of church. But from my perspective, 
it, it would be being bold and, and courageous enough to, and, and like I mentioned previously, I think the problem within a lot, not a problem, but something that can be a barrier for a lot of churches is this, is this stagnant state, right? So it's, it's this concept of nothing is changing. So in order for us to be able to change, it sometimes requires us to give room to others who haven't been given the room to give their input, right? And oftentimes that happens to be our youth, but sometimes it doesn't have to be youth. It can be maybe seniors who never had the, the opportunity to, to serve in roles, but can very, but can do that very well. And so I think it's this concept of being bold and courageous enough to, to say, okay, times are changing and our, our churches need to respond to those changes in responsible ways in, in order to be able to um, achieve the mission that we have in, in the best possible manner. But like I said, that, that would, that would uh, require being very bold to say that, you know, the things we're, we're currently doing might need some changing and some tweaking in order for, uh, in order for us to get to this like optimal relevant um, point where others who are just walking by, by the sidewalk of, of, of that church would look and say, hmm, I, I see myself here, you know, like I, I see myself in, in, in this place. Let me go check it out. So it, it, I think the first step would, would come in terms of giving room for others to give their input as well. But that requires being bold and, and courageous to make room for them to do so. That ends part one of this episode. Please stay tuned for part two coming out next week.